Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching recently. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. This week we're talking a delectable eco-horror, a very odd movie, a fun rewatch, I remember that, the movie, and an erotic thriller that may be divisive among your hosts. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> okay, so I th- let's because I, I I don't think you you said that you liked one of these movies. So let's start with that one. Let's start with your very odd movie. Okay, so the very odd movie that I watched is called Wolf. Okay, and it was direct. It's directed by Natalie Biancheri, and it is coming out either this week or next week. Mm-hmm. And it stars uh, George Mackay, who was in 1917, in Captain Fantastic, and then Lily Rose Depp, um, Mm -hmm. who was in Silent Night, um, Johnny Depp's daughter, etc. The movie is about Jacob, a man who believes he's a wolf trapped in a human body. Mm -hmm. And... The, the the running joke about this movie that like is on the internet is like it's the vine that's like in all levels except physical I am a wolf like people joke about it and this and it's actually a disorder like it's I think it's called like animal dysmorphia or something like that where you actually think that you are an animal in a human body and so he is sent to a clinic to cure him mm-hmm. and at this clinic he meets a wild cat who's played by lily rose depp he thinks he's a wolf and he is like it's about life in the hospital and patty um considine yeah, i know plays the I love him. doctor call they call it the zookeeper and he's a total piece of shit who like is abu- abuses his patients and it's all about like this romance that blossoms in this very abusive, strange place. And 
it's very, it's like this movie could have been incredible, but I think it relies too much on the silliness when it shouldn't be silly. Okay. Like, it's like on the surface level, it does sound silly. Like, it's a guy, you're like, oh, it's a guy who thinks he's a wolf, furry jokes, et cetera, et cetera. She does try to make it like an actual disorder and not supposed to be like a joke. Mm -hmm. Um, Tries to, but she plays too kind of heavily into like the sight gags of people walking on all fours. Have you seen this? No. Did you see this? I haven't. Okay. I wanted to. It's, it's not, it's weird. I think, like, she's trying to do something interesting with something. It, like, it has the vibe of, like, a Yorgos Lanthimos movie. Yeah, okay. Which, because it has, like, this, like, very kind of ridiculous, like, vibe to it. Everything is very stark. Everything feels like it's supposed to be funny. But you don't laugh mm. because it's contrasted with this, like, really awful violence that is being, like, perpetrated against these patients. And I think... It just doesn't go deep enough into it. I think that this is another movie that could have benefited either from, like, tightening and focusing on him instead of trying to make this, like, a love story. Like, one of those, like, cutesy love stories. Like, we meant in a mental hospital and we fell in love. Like, I don't think... I think if it was more focused on him rather than their relationship, it would have been a little less kind of cliche. Um... It's interesting. I think she really did want to make this something that was serious, but I think that the the sight gags that she uses a little bit too. I'm mean, gags is probably the wrong word. Gag is probably the wrong word, but it felt like it because there's like a lot of moments of like people howling and barking and like wearing tails and stuff. And I don't know. It just felt like the tone was so uneven with what I think she was trying to get at with the movie. Okay. That I think a lot of people are going to just take it as a stupid joke when I don't think she wants it to be a stupid joke, which is what makes me sad. Like, I do think she was trying to make a genuine movie. And George Mackay is incredible as Jacob. I love like, he him. definitely, I don't, he's so, he's, this movie is really, like, he's really sad in this movie. Like, he's incredible at kind of like embodying this person who does not feel comfortable in their own body and is just confused about, like, what is going on with their minds and their physical form and their urges and like their like what they what he desires and so like the performances are incredible and there's a lot of emotional depth to these performances but i just think the script was a little bit too trying to both explain the disorder and have his character and have a loved like a relationship and it was just too much but patty considine in this movie also is incredibly evil yeah. like he is awful so yeah it was <sighs> It wasn't bad. I just think it was... It's not as successful as I think it wants to be. But I was surprised by it. It's fascinating. And the well, the jokes on Letterboxd are terrible. I just feel, I feel bad. Because, like, it's not a joke. But people are going to make it a joke. And that just makes me a little bit bummed. Yeah, that's that's actually my fear of it. Like, I... I there was... I You know, I got the, the press thing for it. And I could have gotten a screener. And I was like this seems really interesting and it seems like it could be a very fascinating take on like, cause the, the, even the trailer kind of leaned into like the more werewolfy vibes. Like, is he really a, a, a wolf? You know, the movie does not really lean into that at all. Like you, they doesn't give you werewolf vibes mm-hmm. at all in the movie, like in the actual movie. And that makes sense. And I, so I just, it was one of those things that like, I was like, Ooh, this could be either really good or a little too silly and um it sounds like it's leaning in that direction unfortunately it's a little too silly i That's know too bad. and like 
Yeah, and I, apparently the director wanted to make a documentary about people with this disorder because it's a real disorder, but it ended up like this. And I'm curious what the documentary would have looked like. Um, but I actually was lucky enough to interview uh, George Mackay and Lily Rose Depp about the movie for like, it was literally four minutes. It was so annoying how quick it was. But like the way they talked about how they like worked with movement coaches to kind of work through being animals was really fascinating and how it was all about like letting go of ego and like tapping into your animalistic subconscious and I thought that was just really interesting just to hear them talk about like that and what it was like to like play not just like be like a little kid running around on all fours but like a person who thinks they're an animal and I thought that thought like that was really interesting because it didn't like George again George Mackay didn't feel like just some guy like I'm a dog like he's really good in this movie I will say like this movie he's a phenomenal actor he's so good he's so sweet he's so attractive He's really cute. And there's a lot of close-ups of his abs in this movie. Like, a lot of body. <laughs> a lot of body. A lot of body. He's getting body, yaddy, yaddy. If y'all are interested, check it out. It's not terrible. It's weird. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think I think a movie that deserves to have a little bit more of a dialogue around it rather than, like, haha, it's a funny sight gag. They think they're wolves. It's like a vine. So, yeah. that's That was the first one I saw. What, what was this rewatch? A fun rewatch that you had? Okay, so I might have talked about this. I I don't think I talked because I don't. When this came out, we weren't doing little cuts last year. Um, but I might have talked about it. I, I have this recollection of talking about it in our best of the year. Like I don't think it. <laughs> I'll be perfectly honest. I get podcast brain, and when we're done with podcasting, I until I'm like editing it. I honestly don't remember much of what happened. And so I don't know if I've talked about this movie or not. So I, if this is a, a retread, I and apologize. And I might have forgotten too. <laughs> but <laughs> we were going to watch a screener on a Friday night and I was not feeling it. So I f- turned on Love and Monsters. Okay, you have mentioned this before, but it was a while, it was a while ago. I think you did talk about it during best of last year or the year before. I feel like it was one that we might have talked about when we when we talked about movies that didn't quite make our top 10. Yes, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay, so I, I won't spend a whole lot of time on it, but it's still it's still playing on Hulu. So if you if y'all have Hulu, I really recommend this movie. It has Dylan O'Brien in it, who I have loved since Teen Wolf. I think I think he's he's very attractive. He's very cute. He's adorable, but he has a lot of charisma. And I think he's a really good actor. I think he's like I don't think he's given the credit for what he's able to do um, for acting. And maybe it's because he is cast in a lot of, you know, cutesy roles, but he's a really good actor. He's phenomenal in this. Uh, but it's, it's about, it takes place seven years after the world ends and this comet had crashed, who was crashing into earth. The world sent up bombs to blow it up. They blew it up. Yay. But then the spores from, and the like microorganisms from it, hit the earth and turned uh, creep my animals, particularly lizards and insects into giants. And they rampaged and destroyed. Like, I, I think it was like 95% of the population is gone and the rest are hiding in bunkers under, under the ground. And so Dylan O'Brien is like in this bunker, his character uh, where like everyone is paired up, but him, he's kind of by himself. And so everyone's just basically like, fucking around him and he's like has no one except the one girlfriend that he did have when he was there when like the world went to hell they got split up he has recently discovered her through like their ham radio and has been communicating with her he's not really good at anything um 
And so, like, he doesn't get to do, like, contribute to the play. So he decides to set out on a journey and go find his love of his life. He meets a dog along the way. He uh, runs into Michael Rooker, <laughs> who's playing a really nice guy in this movie. Um, he battles a lot of giant monsters all in the quest to get to his love. And the movie does such a great thing with that romance by the end of it that subverts the traditional hero's quest to get the love. It doesn't necessarily turn out the way that a movie like this you would expect would turn out. And I think it's a lot of fun. I really enjoyed the rewatch. It's, it's one that like, I feel like just brings me happiness. It's just a very good fun uh kind of sad in spots movie and i highly recommend it so if you have hulu it's streaming on there and it's just a, a ton of fun written written by well co-written by brian duffield who also wrote uh one like the early drafts of underwater and also directed and i think wrote spontaneous all last oh. all last year. Ooh, spontaneous. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> Talk about a movie that's both really sad and really good at the same goddamn time. Uh -huh. I haven't seen that movie yet, and I really want to. Have you ever watched Kipo and the Wonder Beasts on Netflix? I have not. I have wanted to watch that one, but I have not. It's got similar vibes. Okay. Not the love story exactly, but like apocalypse kind of stuff, giant animals. It's really and like again, they're different. It's just like a very similar premise, but it's really it's a really good animated series. Everybody, Kipo and the Wonder Beast. I've wanted to if see you want that. To watch that on Netflix. It's good. But Dylan O'Brien, I remember like people saying Dylan O'Brien was really good in this movie, and like was like, look, he's a really good actor. Like, take him seriously. He really is. I really wish people would take him seriously. I mean, I guess he probably has that sort of like Teen Wolf, Maze Hunt, Maze Runner, like young adult dystopian. That's he's in the Maze Runner. Kind of stink on him. I use stink in quotations. It's not YA stuff that people don't take seriously. Seriously, seriously. That, like yeah. the people are just like YA stuff is like dumb. It's like actually, there's a lot of really, really great, intelligent YA mm -hmm. stuff. And also, like fuck you, like who cares? I know we talked about this before, and I know that like especially like you and Joe Lipsa watch a lot of YA stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, why the fuck do we always like put a stink? I'm not putting stink in it in scare quotes. Now I'm putting stink right. in real like saying stink on things like that. Like. Young people deserve good shit, too. And even if it's a little cheesy, what's wrong with a little cheese? <laughs> exactly. So if you've if you watched him in the latest Taylor Swift short film playing Jake Gyllenhaal, I guess, from what I understand <laughs> of my limited understanding. I, under I have watched none of it. I have no understanding of what's going I on. I haven't that either. At all. But if you've watched that or you watched his apparently fantastic uh, cameo appearance and curb your enthusiasm this season oh go back and uh get some loving monsters cool and you said it's on hulu right yep, it's on hulu okay so now let's get into some of the good stuff i want to hear about this delectable eco horror and maybe chime in okay so i know you've seen this movie mm -hmm. but i finally saw the feast directed by lee haven jones this came out on friday like last friday and I have not been able to stop thinking about this fucking movie. Yep. It is in fucking credible. So it's all in Welsh, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. um, there are not a lot of movies in Welsh, and it's a movie all in Welsh about a rich family who's having a dinner party, and they have someone from town come help them prepare the dinner party, but she's <laughs> a little out there, 
And it all kind of unfolds from there, to put it in very broad strokes. Very broad strokes. <laughs> well, because I didn't know what the fuck to expect mm-hmm. with this movie. And the ending, I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Scott, but it's it's very, it's got slow burn, oh, big slow. slow burn energy. It is a slow it's burn. It's very slow. But it's so visually creepy and voyeuristic Mm -hmm. you always feel like you are watching someone do something and you aren't supposed to be there you feel like a foreign object which is an incredible vibe and so like there's this rich family a woman and her husband her husband is in british parliament which tells you a whole lot about what (laughs) their positioning is in this whole whole place and their two their two older sons one of whom has quit being a doctor to do triathlons and the other who (laughs) overdosed on heroin it sounds so silly when you say it out loud because it is like it's ridiculous like the whole thing is very ridiculous who is constantly shaving parts of his body his balls and his balls yes like it's it's so like a very intimate ball shaving scene it's very strange it's so amazing it's so it's so weird Mm -hmm. but it's so interesting because it's like so rich people thing to do Mm -hmm. like oh i'm just like gonna quit and be like do a triathlon and the other son overdosed on heroin or on drugs of some kind and he is living back at home because he can't be trusted to live in the city and everyone hates each other As you know, so there, this farm was the uh, was the mom's family farm. They built it on this land, and now they want to mine the land or like examine the land for like pipeline, like for the pipeline or like for minerals. It, you know, the the good old fashioned. We're gonna like fuck up the land to make more money off of it. I don't want to spoil anything because I think the reveal is really fascinating and cool as shit. Because I was not expecting it, but so. Katie, Caddy, C-A-D-Y, C-A-D-I, played by Anne Elwee is how it looks like it's pronounced, but it's Welsh, so I probably am saying it wrong. She's in fucking credible. She hasn't had, like, any, she has barely any lines in this movie, and her facial expressions are just, like, spot on, Mm -hmm. and her movement and her way of, like, interacting with the world is just so unnerving and cool. And so many things happen where you're like, and then it all comes together at the end and you're just like well it's interesting good for her <laughs> yes good for her good for her <laughs> it's interesting that, that you talk about how like it gives us sort of like the voyeuristic thing because like we're an object that doesn't belong and that's the same way that caddy or however you say her name is in this in this situation and so there's definitely you know there's definitely some metaphors going on there with the way that you interact with this and it's it's so it's so good and so gnarly. I, I, y'all. It's fucking gnarly. There's a maggoty <laughs> leg at one point. <laughs> like, I love when Mary Beth watches what the fuck movies because I end up getting texts and like the text that I got from her watching this is just mm, perfect. So I don't know. Get you, get you someone I like Mary Beth. <laughs> I knew you had watched it, uh-huh. and I was like, well, he knows what I'm talking about because like you saw this last year yeah i can't remember if it was sundance or south by i think it was south by i think it was south by no it wasn't okay it was earlier this year a time is all fucking what is time yeah no it was it was definitely like spring of of 21 which feels like last year year. (laughs) but it's fucking incredible it's wild it's nasty like the climate like the third act is just like huh 
So it's one of those like I highly recommend good slow burns. It's like attached to like because the idea of a slow burn, and I think a lot of people misuse this term, but the idea of a slow burn is to mimic that you have a very long string that is attached to a bomb, and so you're watching that string just. And then it eventually explodes. A lot of times people use slow burn and they don't get that explosion. We get that explosion here. And then so. You get that explosion. Very big, bloody explosion. And like the other thing about this too is it's a slow burn, but creepy weird shit is happening mm-hmm. the whole time. It's not just like boring. No, it's purposeful. It's just a lot of, it's so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like it's just really uncomfortable at one point she throws up in something and it's it made me laugh because she just like vomits into something and just like looks at it and covers it up <laughs> and they just it's just anyway it's it is out now um on vod so i highly recommend it if you like eco horror if you like creepy fucked up stuff it's wor- definitely worth it scarred for life approved scarred for life approved put it on the poster <laughs> Okay, I'm, now I'm very, very, very excited to hear some your thoughts about this. I remember this the movie. Oh, y'all. It just triggered a lot of discourse on Twitter. Jesus Christ. Boy, howdy does it. Has it. Is it. Will it. <laughs> I almost didn't bring talk about this movie because, like, I didn't like it, y'all. I, and we tried to, like, okay. highlight movies that, that we enjoy here. But this movie does the thing where we're introducing new characters, right? So the first act is all about introducing this new family, which I loved. We have Finn Wolfhard. We have uh, McKenna Grace, who is a fucking star. No matter what I say about this movie... She is a star. She is fabulous in this movie. She steals this movie. Put her in everything. I love her. Carrie Coon is the, as the mom. They are having a rough patch. Her father was Egon Spangler, who apparently she thinks was a dick to her and left and moved out to this small town farm and left her. Well, he dies, leaves her the farm. They go move into the farm because they're being evicted from their their place. So the first act is them sort of like introducing the family, introducing the dynamics, getting to know the people in this town, which is all great. The first act is very, very good. It is what I would kind of expect from Jason Reitman, who I think is a really good director. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that this first part is, is just is great. Then they start to discover the Ghostbusters thing. And so the second act is all about them rediscovering things that if you have watched the original ones, you know, is going to happen. And it just felt drawn out. The second act is, was boring Mm. as hell to me. It took so long for them to introduce ghost parts to it. It took so long for them to do anything. It was just them rediscovering the proton packs, rediscovering act of one, rediscovering all of this stuff. And it, do you remember this? Do you remember this? (laughs) Then the third act happens, and this becomes, do you remember this, the movie? Because everything that you loved about Ghostbusters is going to be quite literally referenced here. To the point with, I'm sorry, this is a minor spoiler, to the point where one of the characters is the key master, one of the characters is the gatekeeper, and they recreate those scenes pretty much beat for beat. And then it keeps going along that path where it's like everything that you might have remembered about Ghostbusters, we're going to literally remake it. But instead of having Sigourney Weaver, it's going to be Carrie Coon. Instead of having um, 
Oh, is Paul Rudd like Rick Moranis? Yes, Paul Rudd is Rick Moranis. It's like all these parts. Literally, she just... I'm sorry, again, spoilers. She her, she literally... Her, her clothes turns into a facsimile, an ugly facsimile, of the dress that, that Sigourney wears when she gets possessed. Oh! Like, literally, oh. in a scene, just... Whoom, it's now this. And it just continues. And it just continues. And it's like everything that I loved about Ghostbusters is being recreated in front of me. And I'm like, this is where you take fan service to a, a level that is just like, obnoxious. So what did you think of the 2016 one? 2016? Yeah, 2016. 16? Um, I, re- okay, I don't remember much about it. I remember liking it. Um, but I honestly, and I love the cast. I just, I don't remember much about it because it's it's been so long since I've oh, seen yeah. it. Oh yeah, I was just curious. I've just been seeing a lot of really irritating things online about, like, comparing the two. Mm-hmm. And they're like, this is why this one's more successful than 2016. I'm like, I just say you hate women and go. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, like, it just... And they keep calling it, like, this is the official follow-up to, like, Ghostbusters 1 and 2. And, like, I get... It, that just... I guess it just fucking frustrates me. It's like, are we trying to, like, piss on the sick... Like, on piss on women? Like, I know Paul Feig directed it, but, like... It was just there was so much vitriol on that, that oh, yeah. fucking movie when it came out, and it just like this kind of feels like it's playing into that a little bit. And I'm not saying Jason Reitman was trying to do that, but just like no. the discourse online has been like that quite a bit, this f- and that frustrates the shit out of me. This feels like I'm curious to know if any of this was studio mandated changes because the tone mm-hmm. of the first act is so good and it's so Jason Reitman. And then as it starts to, like, really lean into the ghostbuster stuff, it's like, <laughs> I don't know if this was, I, 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 I would be really curious to hear if this was their intention from the very beginning or if things got changed or if they had to, like, appease things. Because, like, I just, uh, yeah, this wasn't I for me, I mean, dog. Like, I wouldn't be surprised, but, like, don't they have, like, a ghost terrible Right? Not Hamill Ramis. You all have a ghost at one point of his dad? Is there, like, something really weird? I saw that online. I know that's a spoiler. But, like, yes. don't they have some weird shit like that in there? Yes, they do. They sure do. Yes, I hated it. Like, we don't need that. I just... I won't go so far as to say that this the is... OG, are all the OGs... Oh, I, I won't ask any more questions. I don't want to get spoilers. I'm just curious. <laughs> yes. Okay. I... I wouldn't call this morally bankrupt, which is one a sentiment I have seen on Twitter. Um, but like, oh wow, damn! Uh, I definitely think that this is like the most fan servicey movie I've ever seen, to the point where like I was so annoyed. But I apparently am alone in that regard because my entire theater was clapping at specific moments towards the end, and were laughing at lines that were literally a literal statement from the original movie. So I don't know, maybe. I'm just out of touch. I just didn't like it at all. Well, I liked one third of it. How's that? And McKenna Grace, again, fucking star. I love her. She's incredible, though. Like, that girl is in so much stuff. And so much stuff. She's in, she was in fucking Malignant this year. She's in every like, horror. She's in so much horror stuff. She she's is incredible. 15 years old and has 60 credits, 60 acting credits, and she is 15. That's wild. And she kills it all the time. Yep. She's going to be a star. Just you wait. She's gonna be a star. Well, I'm. It's a disappointment. Yeah, I was very but. disappointed. Also, two hours and four minutes. Ugh, did not need to be that long. I don't think I'll be seeing that one anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I know we're going a little long, but uh, 
Let's talk about this erotic thriller. Let's talk about it. So let's talk about Francois Ozon's Double Lover from 2017. Loosely adapted from a Joyce Carol Oates book. Yes, didn't realize that until the credits. I was like, loosely, from what I understand. Lo- <laughs> I, on IMDb, all, it says freely adapted, is what it says on IMDb. <laughs> freely adapted. Um, yeah, Terry, what's this movie about? So this movie is about... <laughs> no, please tell me, what is this movie about? <laughs> this movie is about madness <laughs> and twins, Basil, twins. Twins, um, Basil, twins. <laughs> So it's about a woman named Chloe who is having a rough time, I would say. She uh, has stomach pains that all the doctors seem to just, they don't say the word, but sort of almost like say that, oh, this is just your mental issues as a woman is basically how I inferred the way that everyone talks about her stomach pain that she keeps having throughout this entire movie. And no one wants to address that she has stomach pain through this entire movie. They just think that she is hysterical, I'm guessing. And she goes to see a psychoanalyst who, um, in my opinion, gaslights her into loving him. She, quote unquote, falls in love with him and is soon moving in with him. Then she discovers that he might have a twin that he's not telling her about because she sees another man on the street that looks exactly like him, who is also a psychoanalyst, who has his last name. Well, his father's last name, because then you also find out that he changed his last name because he didn't want to be associated with his father. So now there are two people that look alike that are both psychoanalysts, and she starts having a relationship with both of them. Is the basic thrust for most of the movie? (laughs) And... (laughs) Reading facial expressions, you have a lot to say. So, are we just gonna are we spoilers? Oh, are we just gonna spoil it? Are we just spoilers spoil here, guys? I'm sorry, okay. y'all. I just spoilers. This um, we, we have to talk about everything in this movie. Yeah, we do. It's on um, Shutter. So, if you are curious about it, stop now and go watch it and come back. Um, yeah, it's also on Tubi if you don't have Shutter for free with commercials, which is weird. I didn't realize it was on Shutter, and boy, what commercials in the <laughs> middle of this movie are really fucking weird. Um, it is very erotic. Well, let's just go off the bat. Oof. There is a pegging scene. There sure is. Incredible. We never see pegging no. in in film, so that was pretty. And, like, they buy the dildo together. Mm-hmm. It was very, it was very, incre- it was incredible. I was very excited about that because, like, I don't know. It's like an, it's a sexual act that I don't think people ever talk about because I think you're supposed to think it's like, you know, it's emasculating, Mm -hmm. but like, it's, I don't know. I just like, Oh cool. We're just going to normalize showing pegging on screen. It was great. Um, Loved it. Love that. He like helps her put on like the straw. Oh, it was great. It was great. It was was so, it was a great, it was was a great moment. It was so hot. Like this is erotic. Like this is like softcore porn. This movie was like softcore porn. But like that's what an erotic thriller should fucking be. Like softcore pornography with a lot of twists going on. Like that's what I want. And the French, oh, so and like Francois Ozon is known for this kind of shit. Mm-hmm. So you knew it was gonna be nuts. He goes down on her when she's on her period and has blood on his face. Mm-hmm. 
incredible. We love a period, se- good period sex moment. <laughs> the twins make out while they have sex with her in her Maybe? in her dream, like in her, in her fantasy. She has like this dream, <laughs> and it ends up turning into like bo- a moment of body horror almost because she turns into like um, a conjoined twin ish. I would say that is sharing yeah. a middle nipple, which is. An amazing. Just connected it was an, at the nipple. It was an amazing sight. Like it just the 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 way that the mirror image sort of folds in on itself and created that. It is so. It's really cool. It's filmed beautifully. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of really cool stuff playing with the idea of doubles and twins. Like a lot of split screen, but also a lot of really cool split screen where it's not like borders, but like stuff kind of bleeding into each other. Brian De Palma, eat your heart out. Very Brian De Palma. Very Brian De Palma, and I loved that because. You know, the whole time I was like, "It, who, who, is it? Maybe I'm not sure." And I love that because it's like it doesn't give you answers. But, but then, but then, (laughs) then we get to the divisive part. And this is okay. So at the end, she shoots one of the twins because apparently they are previously. There's like an evil twin and the good twin, and the evil twin like raped a woman and like. She tried to kill herself, and it was just, like, this whole thing. Well, she shoots one of the twins, then all of a sudden, she's pregnant, and, like, something, like, a hand, like, pops out of her stomach. Like, a little hand. I was was horrified and giddy at this moment of, like, her stomach's like, what is happening? And this hand is, like, pushing out, and I'm like, what is happening? It was incredible. Well, turns out, she had a cyst, and it was her fucking twin that she absorbed in utero that has just been chilling in her stomach her whole life. And her stomach pains were coming from a fucking parasitic twin, a.k.a. malignant. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and this is where I'm, I get angry. And I think that maybe this is just me, like, projecting my own experience as a woman. If at any point someone had done an ultrasound and tried to figure out what the fuck was wrong with her, this whole thing would have been fucking avoided. This whole movie is just basically what women go through with the medical professionals constantly, where they're told they're fucking crazy. But really, she actually had a very intense physical problem, and they all told her she was fucking crazy. And that made me very angry. Is I think why I don't yeah I was just pissed I was like are you fucking serious that's what happened that's why anyway <laughs> that's why I got so upset because I was like this is just and maybe that's the point I just got so fucking frustrated I was just like well I think that is the point because like the most of the most of the movies she is like she's not sleeping like that comes up in a whole lot she's having to change her whole entire life around he doesn't like cats so she is trying to like give poor Milo away to the crazy next door neighbor who camp alert loved. She has a fucking (laughs) taxidermy cat that belonged to her daughter in the bedroom. It's amazing. But talk about a red herring of like, what Mm -hmm. the fuck does she have to do with any of this? And not nothing really. She's just an incredible character that you're just like, like in true erotic thriller fashion, Mm -hmm. like just a random weirdo that you're like, she's going to do something crazy. No, she's just weird. And you're like, I love that about her, though. Good for her. Makes a lot of cake. Makes Wakes a her up lot one morning cake. just holding a plate of cake. Like, makes you my daughter's favorite cake. And you're like, all right, sounds good. Yeah. But then, you, you, I mean, you know, at the very end, you realize that, in, you know, there, he was not a twin. That, like, it might have been all in her head that the mother of Sandra, the girl that 
supposedly they had screwed with is actually some kind of manifestation of her own twin that she devoured in utero. Like there's like a whole lot of whole lot of mental illness going on. And I mean, yes, on one hand, this is another another case of like watching a woman lose her mind directed by a man. I mean, that's because she was. And my thing is, I think she was in so much fucking pain that the pain drove her fucking crazy. So much pain. And then when you are in chronic pain, when you have that much chronic pain, like I don't have I don't deal with like as bad of chronic pain. Sometimes I do. And like, it's so it's so difficult to live that way. That's I know that's the that's the point of the movie. It just made me really angry. I'm like, she's like, you telling me that she went crazy because no one believed her that her stomach hurt, and they all told her, and then her fucking therapist manipulated her into a relationship. You no longer get to practice medicine, sir. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Yeah, but I do think that's the point. I do think yeah. that that's like the the way that oh, is so like mad. inverting expectations for the erotic thriller because a lot of times you have the case of like is she paranoid is she going insane or is the person really trying to kill her well in this case there is a whole rationale for why she is going completely batshit bonkers and it is because she's living with this chronic pain she's being gaslit she's not sleeping she's having to give up everything that makes her her to satisfy this egomaniacal man. And I think that's why the ending like worked for me completely. I guess it did work. It just made me really pissed. Yeah. That's why I was <laughs> that's like, understandable. I hate this. That's understandable. I hate this shit. It's, it, it's, it, you don't expect it going there though. No. I was like, Oh, a parasitic fucking twin. <laughs> like what the fuck? Did not expect it. And yet here we fascinating. are. <laughs> here we are. Has a lot of really hot sex in this movie. Oh, yeah, incredibly hot. <laughs> it's like it's Just definitely a like lot a of... <laughs> getting hot in here. <laughs> and even Just when it's like there's some care. there's some uh, domination submission going on that like is uncomfortable in spots because like it seems like it might not be consensual. Yeah, I got that vibe too. I was like, there's some parts of this that are very mm, squicky in yeah. terms of, like, is this sexual assault? What is this? Especially when one of the... Tw- well, I, when one of the twins pretends to be another twin and tricks mm. her, and that's all fun. Oh, that's yeah. all sorts of fucked up. But yeah, um, Double Lover, man. Wild-ass movie. Wild-ass movie. And I loved it. So it's on Shudder. I, d- I think I really enjoyed it. I think it just made me really angry. But hey, I had a very, very intense reaction to it. So I guess. <laughs> so give it a watch, y'all, on Shudder and Tubi. So, Terry, what are we doing next week for our continued erotic thriller? I think his double lover, I think, it combines some Brian De Palma, some David Cronenberg, and some like almost Rosemary's baby type vibes with the, the hotel and, or the, the places she's living and like the neighbors and almost yeah. there's like, could be kind of a culty theme to it. And in, in some ways, like it kind of seems like it's going to lean in that direction. But anyway, we're going to take the De Palma this to De Palma, I guess, and watch uh dress to kill. That was a I'm very weird excited. ass sentence, but here we are. Just one quick thing we didn't mention about 
double lover, it opens with a <laughs> shot of inside of her vagina. It I just sure need everyone to know that. Does. Like, just right through, and you're like, what is that? It's her vagina. She's getting um, a gynecological exam, and the camera's just looking straight down the speculum into her vagina. So that, yeah. At first, I honestly thought it was the, uh, your vocal, vocal folds. Mm-hmm. And well, don't they, worry, because they go down there well, at some sure point, do. too. They sure do. They play with that, that imagery, the mirror imagery of the two, which works. Your vagina and well. your vocal cords look the same. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, okay. Sorry, I just like I, used, I was like, fuck, we forgot to bring up the fact that it opens inside of her vagina. Because like, that's... In- how can we forget how that? How do we forget? How do we forget? Uh, just, it's perfect to double feature with Uncut Gems when it starts in during a colonoscopy for how he's oh, given for right. Adam Sandler's character in Uncut Gems. But yeah, uh, Dress to Kill, a pro... A, quasi-problematic mm-hmm. uh, giallo-esque erotic thriller from Brian De Palma that I'm excited to check out finally. Yeah, me too. Because I've heard lots of things about it, and I know that it's a little bit squeaky in terms of like some gender representation stuff, but I'm excited to dig into it. Me too. Okay, but for Monday's episode, who are we chatting with? He... So on Monday, we are chatting with The Strings writer-director Ryan Glover which we're super stoked about. The Strings is currently streaming on Shutter and the Discard for Life Approved. Mm-hmm. It is an incredible film. Please watch it this weekend before we talk to Ryan. Um, but he brought with him the made-for-TV movie, which is a remake of the McPherson tapes called Alien Abduction Incident in Lake County. It is the perfect Thanksgiving horror movie. Mm-hmm. I have a piece up um, on Dread Central about this as of the publication of this podcast, because it is such an incredible film. The original McPherson Tapes is streaming on Shudder. Alien Abduction is really hard to find. It's on YouTube if you can find it. But it's a really fascinating conversation about this very interesting made-for-TV remake. Um, that might have influenced Blair Witch. That, and Signs. And Signs. <laughs> so definitely check it out. It's an incredible little gem, like underseen gem, that probably, what, like four of us have seen at this point. It's like you, me, Ryan, and maybe one other person. <laughs> I don't know. If you had UPM and UPN in the uh, 90s, you might have caught this as well. But it is... Much better than I ever expected it to be. Misu's licking Zucchini's little paw pads. <laughs> what the fuck was that? That was so cute. He's like snoring and she started licking his feet. Sorry, I'm sorry. I got it was so cute. That never happens. Um <laughs> I'm keeping that in. <laughs> but yeah, it's incredible. Just like what just happened to me. Um so But listeners. You've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Did you watch a film that we watched this week and have thoughts? Do you have suggestions for things we should be covering? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I'm at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thanks to everyone for listening. We hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Please stay safe out there, but most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time.
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.